This is part two of our conversation with Alex Friedman and Austin Shane about working with, training, caring for, and optimizing combat sport athletes. Get a little bit more into the weeds on things here, but this is the second edition of one that came out a couple weeks ago for the part one. So if you want to go back into the feed to check that out, please do um, to make sure that you get the full interview. These guys are doing some pretty cool things um, with a lot of science and thought process going behind all of it. So if this is an area that you're interested in or a lot of these principles can transfer over to so many sports. Please make sure that you go back and check that one out and enjoy this one. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. recording so when we talk about like strength and conditioning for this group uh, i know we've finally convinced like the football team at uwl that during the season our goal is to just maintain strength We're not trying to necessarily get bigger and stronger how do you guys see that and what you've done to try and maintain strength try and maintain power as much as you can um during these weight cuts and during the season yeah um and, and again, during the weight cut, it, it gets extremely difficult to, to maintain anything. Uh, as we go through the eight-week process that's outlined uh, in the book, the UFC performance uh, cross-sectional analysis, they lay out a pretty specific system where it's more of a daily undulated um, system for the first four weeks, and then we get into a little more conjugate system the last four weeks. And the last week leading up to competition is – purely weight cut you know there's not a lot of training that goes on the week of um, and be that as it may concern in itself but how I look at it with wrestling and wrestling team and then in the eight-week training camp that we have is you're exactly right maintaining strength and maintaining the power qualities that we hopefully built upon in our you know preseason or in our pre-training camp phases but there is an avenue to improve and even gain in some specific athletic quality you know as you go through a taper and peak cycle and things like that you can still peak power and work on a lot of you know uh, more anaerobic specific strength qualities and bring them up throughout a training camp even though we're you know cutting weight um, so a lot of the times it's picking and choosing you know specific qualities specific points that you can you know, hit on and improve in a strength and conditioning session or even in a phase and to help those things improve um, in the, again, short time that you have to improve them. Um, focusing on those things also helps to alleviate overtraining and alleviate, you know, trying to catch all and hit everything at once because the athlete most likely is getting two or three practices a day and trying to fit in strength and conditioning somewhere into their schedule. So, Picking and choosing those qualities and then focusing in on them. Um, you can do it either daily or with a conjugate system, like I kind of said. But picking and choosing those battles helps to reduce the overall stress and overall training load on the athlete. 
and it's all compounded by stress, cutting weight, stress of having a potential fight that's you know has huge implications on their life. Um, so it's all about picking and choosing where you can hit your most effective minimal dose. So um, that's more or less how you look at it. And then with the broad overview of counting in and factoring in everything that's happening too. We like to, as healthcare professionals or as researchers and scientists, I think we like to you know, fit everything into their neat little boxes, categories, you know. This is a weight cutting session, this is a strength session, this is a practice session. They all happen independently of each other, blah, blah, blah. In reality, all those sessions are compounding stress and affecting the athlete you know, at all times. Um, so trying to make a program that considers all those factors and understands the total level of stress on the athlete and then picking and choosing where you can induce you know, the correct amount of stress with the correct athletic quality that you have is a game that you play throughout training camp, throughout preparation. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Alex crushed it. Um, it's, it's really just about like from my side of things, it's picking one or two things that you, you know you can make the athlete better with and focusing on that as opposed to doing that entire, Oh, we're going to make you a power string, a powerful, strong and cardio monster. It's really focusing on just one or two things. And it, like, again, it's, I found like a broken record, but mitigating injury risk, because if you overload them, they're probably going to get themselves hurt. Yeah, that was, it was an interesting observation going from a collegiate setting where everything's on a time schedule. You know, we got 100 things to do and 20 minutes to do them, right? That's kind of your blasting it through the horse, being as efficient and effective as possible. And then I step into the UFC and it's a completely different culture, you know. <laughs> Athletes, you know, coming to a strength and conditioning session, this is my fun session. This is what we get to, you know specialize and we get to focus in have a little bit of fun and work on one or two athletic qualities and maybe do 20 things in those 20 minutes you know and like dial it down and back dial it back a little bit and really enjoy the training process so that was a kind of a cultural shock for me it's like all right we don't have to be up and go get them and you know every second on it within this population within this setting and I think overall that leads to a more beneficial approach, but it's not practical in every setting. So that's why I think I've observed those changes. I don't know. Uh, the one we did really want to hit on is we alluded to it way at the beginning. Uh, we're, I think we're slowly getting there where I'm at with some people, not so much the combat athletes, um, <laughs> but we talked about this a little bit. Um, even when we talked about nutrition, Alex and I did to some degree is, you know, the concept of if some is good, more is better is so ingrained just kind of into culture. Yeah. Um, really to that level, you know, with wrestlers, MMA, you know, um, one of the best wrestlers in history uh, for the U.S. talked about how he would train at, um, train at night because his top competitors were – that's when they were training because they were on the other side of the world. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that works for them, but you know the sum is more. If sum is good, more is better. Principle, you know. Thoughts on that, I guess, would be, you know, what you guys have seen and can it be done at the highest level without that? You got it. 
Yeah, I got you. Um, so it, it kind of comes down to me is it's trying to work smarter, not harder is, is what I tell all my athletes is you, you can drive yourself into the ground, but is that necessarily the smartest way to do it? Especially as a, cause I, like I said, I work with mostly fighters as a pro athlete, like this is your livelihood. You got to be as smart as you possibly can to get as many fights as you possibly can. Um, so I, one thing I recommend with all my athletes is finding a good wearable. Um, the one that we typically use and just to track your readiness and track different metrics, because having some sort of metric is always going to be better than shooting in the dark. So I, the one I really like right now is a polar heart strap and polar makes a really nice watch and they sync really well together and using that as our readiness score. Um, and it's, it's got a pretty high, um, validity score as well. Um, but really just when, whenever you subjectively feel like you can push more, but objectively it's telling you to slow down, there's a reason why it's objectively telling you to slow down. There's probably something going on. So really just listening to the numbers instead of trying to push through to get another workout in, to get another, another mid session in, to get another strength, strength conditioning in. So just kind of backing off that work that I need to work constantly mentality. Yeah. And I think, Within the culture, there's a huge view of, you know, valuing and taking the principles from the outliers, you know, from the Kale Sanderson's of the world, from the Dan Gables, from the Conor McGregor's, whoever you see, all you see is them blasting training. It seems like they train 24-7 and they, you know, do everything the right way and they, you know, kill it all the time. Every session is their deadline on the map, right? The problem with that, especially in the individual sport, is that we look at that and say, that's what I have to do to be successful, right? And, and so that leads to a culture of everyone deciding that all the time is the right time to train. And in a world where that simply isn't reality, right, you're going to wear yourself down, you're going to create injury, you're going to shorten your career. It's important to have an open line of communication like we've talked about before, but also help the athlete understand what – stress they're actually incurring on their body so one of our assessments that we did in our athlete meetings when they came to the OC is we sat down we had them fill out a weekly training schedule you know what practices are you doing when are you doing them and how have you organized that within yourself and very seldomly is that thought of as you know incurring stress or thought of how can I best optimize my schedule it's always how can I get more on my schedule how can I get better each day by doing that that extra session, that more. So what we helped to do and, and tried to relay this to the athlete is let's organize your training in a way that we can optimize recovery and get the most out of each session, whether we grade it by intensity, where whether we understand when your heavy days are, when your light days are, and when we should fit um, strength conditioning into those equations. But it's a huge, I think, turning point that a lot of sports are starting to get onto using exercise science and using an understanding of stress within the athlete to guide more and more training. I think combat athletes are on the, the tail end of that. I don't think we, we've quite caught on yet because we like to train hard. We like to, you know, wrestle until you're soaking wet lying on the mat. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's just changing that paradigm from um, they, a lot of my wrestlers that turned fighters, they're like, I would never go into the training room. I hate the training room. I'm like, that's, that's stupid. That's stupid. Like you're a, you're a high level athlete. You need your body moving the best it can possibly be. Why aren't you actively seeking out care when you have something in pain? 
So it's one of those things of change the mentality from, oh, I just, I need to fit in another mitt session to, oh, wait, maybe, maybe a training, maybe recovery session is supposed to be scheduled in. And that's supposed to be something that's factoring into your, your weekly schedule. Like, don't look at it as an extra. Look at something that's needed to make you at your peak performance. And I think, thinking back to the wrestling days at UWL, I think that's something that that, that program did uh, pretty well in, in hindsight. Um, where with January, December, January, we're, you know, overloaded, right? Your J-turn, all you do is train all day type of thing. And then as we get more to our championship season through February, March, we started to taper off. And uh, I think having that thought process going through a season or leading up to a fight or throughout your training is, you know, the correct way to go about it to understand how we can consciously control or consciously manipulate readiness. Cause there are times that you need to train and you need to dig yourself a hole, but then there's times to back off and utilize the super compensation that should happen from that. So it's, it's a, it's a different line of thought, you know, short term to more a little bit long term or overarching. I want to summarize some of these questions just due to our uh, time constraints. So sorry about that. But first, um, the most influential in quotes, like fitness purchase that you would think would be beneficial to this type of athlete. Um, I'm going to say core 360 belt. I use it. I use it on basically every single fighter that comes in. Like I said, they all breathe like crap. Um, and it's $50 you could buy online and it shows you how to properly respirate and properly brace, which not only decreases any sort of injury risk in the trunk, it's also going to increase your performance because then you can learn how to become rigid with your own breath versus trying to rely on your muscular system. Yeah. Um, I had a hard time going with this one where we can think of, you know, strength conditioning, doing more, doing less. Um, a polar heart rate strap is about 80 bucks. I think that's a, a great investment to, understand the load that training has on your body but i'm also a big fan of just having a kettlebell and being able to utilize there's a lot of versatility that goes in with that um and so a little bit of both maybe do you recommend the cool shaped ones from on it uh no <laughs> kettlebell's kettlebell <laughs> do what you will um those things are cool i like stormtroopers and whatnot but <laughs> If you if you've got two hundred bucks, do those those ones. Yeah, if you got dollars, the rogue or the whatever. Um, book recommendations that you guys have found. We've obviously referenced this UFC one quite a bit, uh, but other ones that you have found extremely useful that um, kind of go to this population. You can hit it. Um, Specifically to this population, I think, and it's, I think it's going to be a hit, um, just psychological in the, the genre, you know, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. It's a huge philosophical book, but it also outlines a, a methodology to a strategic attack and to things like that. And I think, you know, combat athletes look at ourselves a lot like warriors or a lot like soldiers in, in a sense. So that book helps, I think, to bring it to the light of, you know, metaphorically what it means to, to fight and have a strategy. Yeah. And I'm going to go a lot more practical. <laughs> um, I, I, I think something it's a very easy read for anybody involved would be ultimate MMA conditioning by Joel Jameson. 
Um, that was my first like foray into energy system training. Um, and he breaks it down really well for the different combat sports and for the different energy systems um, on how you can implement it on your own as opposed to having to go find a super high profile coach to do it. And then we'll use this one to kind of wrap it up, but um, take home tips or kind of the quick hitting version of what you would recommend to a these athletes but b people that are working with them work harder not smarter <laughs> work smarter not harder excuse me oh, Great. You messed up the line <laughs> <laughs> work smarter not harder um that's a big one going forward and then just enjoy the training process and help your athletes enjoy the training process so much of combat athletes and wrestling is focused on you know grinding working hard and being a badass and all this stuff like Enjoy the training process, get better, a little bit better every time, and pick your battles. Yeah, pick, pick your battles is a huge one. My, my big thing would just be make some, make some trust with your athletes. Really focus on building that relationship because then they'll do anything they can. Like, I have all of my fighters would run through a wall if I said it would cure their neck pain. And so that, that's the one thing that's going to get you buy-in on the strength and conditioning and on the tra- treatment side is just, just build that relationship first. And then everything else will fall in line. Very good. Um, last thing is where could people find you if they wanted to follow you or get in touch? Um, Instagram, strong underscore a dot F. Um, and then just shoot me an email, afriedman.strong at gmail.com. Not super big on social media, but I will respond to anybody that reaches out um, to talk to me should they want to. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm going to be at Warrior Sports Wellness. That's the name of my clinic um, on Instagram as well as Facebook. Uh, or you can shoot me an email at Austin at WarriorSportsWellness.com. Uh, shoot me anything. I'm happy to answer any questions that come my way. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for taking the time. We appreciate it. Of course.